Hello and welcome to Nursing Sound Reports, a podcast offered by the Iowa Board of Nursing. My name is Laura Hudson and I'll be your host today. We're excited to have you back to the podcast and we are talking today the second in a series from the Iowa Nurse Assistance Program, otherwise known as INAP. Today my guest is Michelle Royer. Michelle is the INAP case manager Welcome, Michelle, and thank you for joining us today. Could you tell us a little bit about your credentials and your background and how long you've worked for the board? I've worked for the board for about two and a half years, and I'm the INAP program case manager. Um, In the past, I was a waiver case manager, and I worked with the elderly and people with disabilities for the past 20-some years, and I'm a licensed social worker. That's great experience for the board to have in this program. So in the past, we had talked to Rhonda Ruby, the program coordinator, and today's episode is a follow-up to what Rhonda discussed, and we are going to be talking about INAP answers staying on track. So if you've listened to the first podcast starting up, you would have learned how to enroll in the program, and this is the second in a series of four episodes. Michelle, tell us a little bit about what INAP is, again, just as a a little refresher. So INAP is the board's monitoring program for nurses who have a diagnosed substance use disorder, mental, or physical condition. But it isn't just you and Rhonda who monitor this program. How does that take place? There's a committee that oversees the INAP and makes all the decisions regarding the program. The committee is made up of nurses who work in substance use or mental health positions, nurses in recovery, the executive director of the Board of Nursing, and a public member. The assistant attorney general also provides legal counsel for the program. Once somebody's self-reported to the program, um, that group of people, which comprises the committee, uh, actually does the eligibility and, and the like for the program. Is that right? Yes. Once somebody self-reports to the program, we'll do an intake, and then we send all that information to the committee to make sure they meet the guidelines to enter into the program. What happens after a nurse self-reports into the INAP program? Once somebody self-reports to the program, we do an intake interview, and we would like to start doing those in person as as we're able to do that, but otherwise we would do it over Zoom. And the INAP staff gathers all the information about your current circumstances. We send that off to the committee for approval, and each participant prior to entry into the program is required to have a dual diagnosis evaluation uh, within the previous year of their entry into the program. For the general public, what does dual diagnosis mean? It's an evaluation that comprises both mental health and substance use. And and that's done by professionals, though. That's yes. Right. And you can do one together, or you can do a separate substance use eval and a separate mental health eval. It's just kind of whatever you've been able to get scheduled in your area. And that that says what their diagnosis is and what the treatment recommend, recommendations are. Is that right? Correct. The INAP program is voluntary, so what happens? What what really goes on once that agreement is signed and the contract with INAP is signed? So reporting to INAP is voluntary, but once you have signed the agreement, then you're agreeing to continue with the program for the three-year duration of the contract. Okay, and I think Rhonda and I talked about uh, what happens when somebody doesn't follow through on that contract, and that would be public discipline. Right. They would be returned to the enforcement unit of the board and then their case would be handled with enforcement as opposed to INAM. So Michelle, could you tell the audience a little bit about the drug testing requirements of the program? Sure. So INAP is an abstinence-based program regardless of why you enter the program. Um, You're required to provide documentation from your provider of any prescribed medications with dosage and refill amounts. Drug testing is a part of your INAP contract. Participants will be required to complete a daily check-in from 5 a.m. to 2 p.m., and they submit random drug screens each month. 
Most screens are a urine specimen, but the program also utilizes blood and hair testing. And the participant is responsible for the cost of all drug screen and lab costs as these cannot be run through insurance. Even if it's drug diversion, um, they're going to be also tested for alcohol use, right? Right, right. This is some serious stuff. And uh, when people get into their contracts, they have to have an understanding that um, they need to be all in if it's an abstinence-based program, right? Right. What does treatment look like for somebody who is in early recovery? So it, it varies a little bit from participant to participant. It also depends on what you have been re- recommended to do in your evaluation, but typically treatment requirements include aftercare, med management, and AA or NA meetings. You are required to follow through on all treatment recommendations from your evaluation, and you're able to pick your professionals, um, but they do need to agree to submit the quarterly reports to INAP. How is it that the, those treatment professionals do that? All the forms are on the board website, and the participant is responsible for making sure they get turned in. And so those reports are due on the 20th of the month in March, June, September, and December. And we do recommend that the participant keep a copy of their reports just in case something happens in transit, whether the fax doesn't go through or the mail gets lost or something along those lines. The actual participant in the INAP program really has to work closely with their treatment professional then, don't they? Right. And are the, how does the treatment professional come into line when, it, when it's time to move towards graduation or aftercare? Well, we allow your treatment professionals to kind of determine when you're able to graduate from aftercare or decrease your participation. So if you start seeing a therapist, you know, once or twice a week and after several months go by and they feel you're making good progress, they can notify INAP and say, we're only going to meet once a month now. We would just update your contract. We do need to hear it from your treatment provider. And if they do discharge you, we need to make sure that you've been successfully discharged and you're not just choosing to end treatment. So obviously it's why it's called an INAP monitoring program, right? What do these nurses need to be able to do to work as a nurse while they're in the INAP program? If you are working as a nurse, you need to have a nursing worksite monitor, and this needs to be a nurse who supervises you and works your same shift. If you're not working as a nurse, you don't need to to have a worksite monitor. We only monitor uh, their practice if they are employed as a nurse. And there are some times that the committee will restrict a nurse from working. Um, It could be a med passing restriction. It could be a shift restriction. Uh, There is a time or there can be a time during your participation if there's a concern about your safety to practice that the committee may require you to cease practice for a period of time to focus on your recovery. Sure, and obviously the other goal of this is to not only um, to protect the participant, but we're protecting the public. The mission of the board is to protect the the public. Um, So then what does that worksite monitor do? Do they submit reports? What What is another thing that they do? Yep, the worksite monitor submits a quarterly report, and we also just ask that they let us know if if they notice any anything that you know they might think the nurse is impaired, or if they're real you know noticing that they're late often, or something along those lines. We ask that they let us know, but for the most part, we just get that quarterly report from the worksite monitors. And those, those worksite monitors have to be people who are really invested in um, in this and know that they have colleagues who need help and right. and they're willing to do that, right? Right, and we haven't noticed an issue. Um, Some nurses, when they come into the program, are concerned about explaining this, you know, their participation in the program to their supervisor. And we haven't really noticed that to be a deterrent. I think um, employers are happy to have uh, safe and monitored nurses. How does somebody become a worksite monitor? How is that arranged? Um, usually it's your supervisor. Um, we prefer that it be a nurse and it's, and it's somebody that works your same shift so they have regular contact with you. Okay. 
All right. So we now we're at the topic of relapse. So obviously, um, these individuals are human. And so what happens if somebody relapses while they're in the program? So if you return to use while you're in INAP, um, we prefer that you notify us. Um, sometimes it's found out because there's a positive drug screen or urine screen. Um, but sometimes we do have nurses that just you know, call us up and, and admit to what happened. And then we um, notify the committee of that. The committee may determine a work restriction is necessary. We have that nurse fill out an updated relapse prevention plan. And then we also have them notify their treatment team and their treatment team has to sign off that they've been notified of the return to use. That brings us to what happens if they can't fulfill contract obligations. Right. So we have had uh, many successful graduates. We've had over 50 graduates already in the INAP program, but we do have people that struggle either with return to use, they struggle with the financial and time obligations of the program, and they do end up returning to the enforcement unit of the board for noncompliance. Tell us what some of, what would noncompliance be? Um, noncompliance consists of positive tests, missed tests, missed check-ins, not following through with treatment, not submitting your reports, or just not responding to INAP. And obviously that's not an exhaustive list. There might be other things that could happen. Right. And, right. and I, I believe Rhonda explained that too in her, in her episode that um, obviously things are reviewed frequently, situations uh, that you as employees can't handle go back to the committee. Right. The committee like. makes all the determinations. So if something comes up, if somebody has a positive test or, or, um, there's a there's an ongoing noncompliance. We have the committee review that case and make any further determinations. Good. So a lot of monitoring all the way at, at all levels. This is um, a great program. The state of Iowa is fortunate to have this to help nurses stay stay in practice uh, as they're being monitored. And so uh, it is a, a really great program. So Michelle, we're going to wrap up today's episode. It's been really good to have you here today. And in closing, what would you like the, the public and nurses to know? Well, if you yourself or you know somebody that uh, that is struggling that works as a nurse, um, you are feel free to call us or email us and we can answer any questions. But if you do self-report, we will go through the full process with you and determine if you're eligible for the program. That's great. This was meant to give you a basic understanding of what signing, uh, what it is to sign an INAP contract and what INAP could mean for you. We encourage you to come back next time for our third podcast series called INAP Answers, Managing Struggles. The next podcast is going to explain how nurses can stay in compliance with their INAP contracts and how program struggles can be managed and handled throughout the program. Please join us next time. Thanks for coming today, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I want to thank our listeners today for joining us and please make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes of the nursing sound reports offered by the Iowa Board of Nursing. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Amazon, and we welcome your feedback and comments through the our email address at bondpodcast at iowa.gov. That's B-O-N-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at iowa.gov. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.